Hello and welcome to Ireland Create, a new podcast about Ireland's creative community. I'm your host, Ashling O'Rourke, and I love creativity and storytelling. We are a nation of storytellers, whether it's through song, poetry, fiction, or even the news, we just love a good story. However, we don't often get to hear the story behind the storyteller, or who they are, what makes them tick, and why they do what they do. In recent weeks, as the country's been coming to terms with what has affectionately become known as the thing, or as I like to call it, 2020's answer to Voldemort, or what it's actually called, coronavirus, I think it's fair to say that most of us have taken comfort in the arts. We've binged on Netflix dramas, tuned into live gigs on Facebook and Instagram, and some of us have even started a new hobby. Imagine what would lockdown have been like if we didn't have the arts. So I thought it was high time I got myself in gear and started making this podcast, Ireland Creates, about Ireland's storytellers. My name is Ashling O'Rourke. I was a news anchor on local and national radio for many years. I'm a photographer and now I teach people how to tell their story. I live and breathe story and I love nothing more than supporting my fellow creatives. Over the course of this podcast, I hope to give you an insight into what goes into the craft of storytelling, from photographers to ceramic artists to musicians, painters and many more. I hope to shine a light on what it's like to be a creative practising in Ireland in 2020 and an insight into the daily art of storytelling. So that's enough from me for now and on to my very first guest. She is a Kildare native, an award-winning ceramic artist and the woman behind 1916 Sackville Street. And she loves a good story. My name is Kira O'Keefe and I am the owner um, and creator of um, Beautiful Goodbyes, which is a bespoke urn design service um, that I've just set up in the past year. And um, I suppose my background would be in ceramics. um, And I suppose it was just a natural progression for me to move into uh, the field that I'm in now. I've been trying to probably find a niche for myself, Ashling, over the past 20 years working in ceramics. And um, I, I think now is my time. And um, yeah, so I, I, I created Beautiful Goodbyes. So hopefully um, this year will, will be um, a year. I don't mean to sound um, that it will be a good year for me, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that I'll get to work at the business and um, enjoy that end of it. So, Kira, let's go back to the beginning. Were you a child that loved a good story? Ashling, I probably was reared in a household like many of us were, um, whereby my dad was his, actually his nickname was Wag. So um, if you look that up in the dictionary, it's it's um, the teller of tall tales. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so um, my dad was just a storyteller and um, it, it was just enjoyable the whole kind of experience of, of storytelling in my house was just so enjoyable. So I suppose it's in my DNA um, growing up. Uh, I, I I suppose my way of storytelling would be making, you know, um, I, I, I'd i make and 
the narrative would be um, around whatever I produced. So uh, yeah, from a very, very early age, um, my my mum used to be, uh, she used to make curtains and, and interior um, textiles and fabrics and stuff. And um, when I was growing up, there was always remnants of materials and, you know, the, the inside of, of um, curtain roll or mm-hmm. the rolls and different things. So I was forever making and sewing and um you know painting and just just doing everything really that i could find but finding it it was a norm it wasn't like you know um it, it was my norm while other people were reading that was a big thing for my mother actually she always felt that i should be reading and um i just felt i shouldn't you know so um i was always making um so that's a, that's even a bone of contention to today she's always still trying to get me to read even though i love reading now um at, at when i was growing up i just preferred to be sticking something together and it just books just weren't for you um it's not that i suppose it was just a different interest you know um books for me if i could tear the pages out and maybe cut them and you know what i mean glue them on to the front and then make a little box out of the book or something do you know what i mean god I the bookworm in me is this yeah, is going I down know. a spine my spine now i'm thinking <laughs> how dare you cut a book up you see what I mean? It's like, uh, yeah, but no, I've changed. I, I've matured and I have to say, no, I love I love a good book now. Uh, that's that's my downtime, actually, is reading now. Um, yeah. So, yeah, actually, I wouldn't cut a book. I wouldn't dare do it now. So you, as you said, as a child, you know, you were around, you saw your mom making, your dad was great at telling a good story. You really loved being creative. So... You're going to tell me now, obviously, you went straight in to study art in college. Yeah, no. Do you know what I did? It was a confidence thing with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really just didn't, growing up, I am... Um, I just I wasn't anyway confident Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I suppose there wasn't a very big emphasis on um, being an artist or a crafter you know back in the day it was more academic um it was more or less assumed that um you go down the academic route and everything else would be a hobby um so what i did was i um i was a sheep and i followed the herd and i went and did um i got into a course it was a degree course for marketing in german in limerick okay that sounds nice and sensible yeah, yeah, except Ashling, it was like my worst nightmare. Um, I hated every single... I was 17 when I first went to college. And that's very and young. Yeah, yeah. So the first time away from home, on the train down every Sunday night and uh, away from home. And uh, it was just, to be honest with you now, I was a bit traumatised by the whole first year in college. And, um, you know, I just I just knew it wasn't for me. But I started, I got friendly with um, a few of the um, art students that were in Limerick. And um, I used to kind of go sketching with them and um, they'd call over and we'd be doing, I'd kind of join in and do whatever projects they were doing. And, you know, so that's that's basically where my happy place was when I was in Limerick at that stage. And um, to be honest with you, I failed my course miserably. Um, after the first year and um, I came home tail between my legs and um, my parents sat me down and just said what do you want to do and I said I, d- I don't really know but I know it's something creative so um, I went and 
I did a, uh, what did I do? Um, what do you call those? Um, Post-leadership course. Okay, so before you jump ahead, because yes, okay. first year in college, it is tough. You know, it's, oh, a, yeah. it's a huge adjustment. So huge. you didn't enjoy the course. So that must have been particularly hard then. You've got the added challenge then of, of never mind being away from home for the first time and, and just finding that tough, but then not actually being happy in what you, in the reason you were supposed to be there. You know, that yeah. must have been a particularly challenging time for you. It it really, really was. And, um, you know, it, it kind of went hand in hand with... Um, being 17 and never been away from home before and being very kind of I would have had a fairly kind of sheltered um upbringing and um I was it was like um just being thrown to the wolves in one way because you know um the freedom and um of being young and like um being being able to do whatever you wanted and not have to answer to anybody and different things. So my mind was, was torn and the course that I was doing, I actually felt, Ashling, I, I felt so bad after I failed that course. I actually felt a failure in myself. You know, I, I actually felt that I wasn't good at anything. And, you know, I got, I got, I got depressed as well um, on top of that. And it was just, mm. a, it was a horrible, horrible time, you know, and um, I had made good friends there, but I, um, they, I could see that they were following their dream, their passion. But for me, there was nothing. I was, I was kind of like dead inside, um, in, in in comparison to to them getting up and going to college every day. I was just dragging myself in, and um, so I would, I I would have to say, Ashling, to anybody that finds themselves in that position, you know life I am looking back on it now I'm, I'm 45 now and I'm looking back on that time in my life and I should have said to myself you know that it's okay to fail it was a learning curve for me I knew then that that wasn't what I wanted mm-hmm. um I eventually did find what I wanted to do and um everything in life I know a lot of people say this but things do happen for a reason and, um, you know, I, I had a good network around me. I had good friends when I came home, but it still didn't stop me feeling, you know, that I, I had failed and that I wasn't good enough then to to carry on, you know, doing probably what I wanted to do. So, yeah, that time was very difficult. Now, you were in a, a lucky position in that, you know, you could go home and, and talk to your folks. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that conversation about what it is that you really wanted and like something creative. So where do you go from there? Oh, I actually, I actually, I remember saying it to, to my mother when I got my results and she just, she just looked at me and said, oh, Kira, like really, you know, because everybody else in my family had, had had their life together. You know what I mean? Like any, anybody else had kind of got their, their, their decision where they thought the direction their life was going but I, I hadn't it's not that I hadn't a clue I just I I knew what I wanted but I wasn't I didn't have the confidence to go for it so um I just said to, to ma'am like you know what, what what can I do and she said well from here on in now she said um we were prepared to finance you for your for, for college she said but you know that's gone now so it's up to you now to finance yourself and decide what you wanted to do so that was a major wake-up call for me that was like oh my god like you know I have to um grow up now and so got a part-time job and decided then that yeah art creativeness that end of things was going to be for me and um i 
applied then for a post leavenstead course in carlo and got it and that's probably when i entered the happiest phase you know what i mean from then on life life kind of started to the jigsaw started to kind of come together and so for people who are not familiar with the post leaving cert course because i suppose we don't really refer to them as that anymore now it's you yeah. go on to a college of further education you yeah. maybe take a level five or a level six um so it's it is going to college it's just not going to a university per se yeah. or the traditional yeah. route um yeah exactly and i'm biased because i teach in a college of further education so you know <laughs> um i think they're great colleges they are they're fantastic and statistically if you go to a college of further education before going to university you're more likely to continue your Ashling, I would advise all young people to do that. Mm. I, I, I just really think that it's it's a chance to decide whether or not you like it. And then it's also a chance to realise that you love it, you know. so. And this is where I'm expecting you to say, right, you figured out you were going to study ceramics. You know, let's go to yeah. Limerick to do the ceramic thing. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, I see. This is this is the the story of my life, Ashing. I when I was doing the post leaving so I I absolutely adored fashion. I thought that fashion was like the thing that I was going to do. I was going to be this, you know, um, Sex in the City type, um, Jessica Sarah Jessica Parker type person. And um, that God, I'd we have... all loved her, didn't we? Yeah, you see, this is the thing, you know. So <laughs> this is this is my ideal, you know. So I worked so hard on that that um that after that PLC course, and um I applied for Limerick to do well. You applied for just to get onto the course, but I had fashion in my head, um, but I applied for most of the, the art colleges in the country as well. But um, I was lucky enough anyway to get my number one uh, Limerick and uh, yeah, all set to go to Limerick to do uh, fashion. And at so, this stage, your parents had already said, you know, they made a very tough call in saying, look, Kira, that's great, but, you know, you're doing it off your own bat. So yeah. a year down the line, you know, were they supportive in you going back to Limerick okay maybe to a different college but you are returning to the city yeah I think they had seen how unhappy I was you know um there was now a kind of a spark in my eye I I I I now I worked you know what I mean it was like um they could see that this was something that I really really wanted to do and that it was giving me confidence when I was doing it you know it was um build it, it actually was building me back up after I had failed the first time and I hate that word failed know, because I you know, know it's it's a, so what it's a stepping stone okay you might not have gotten yeah. the results you wanted but you know it was a step in the right direction you might say exactly but as as i've learned this year um the term failing forward so i think for me i failed forward you know i i failed but it actually was um a learning for me and um i don't i think it had to happen in order for me to get to where i am today now you went to limerick back to the school of art and design and You were, as you said, very much on the path to take fashion, become a fashion designer. This was the plan. Yeah. But the one of the lecturers in the college intervened. He did. Um, I'll never forget it, actually. I was... Um... I we, we basically when you first go into art college you have six weeks of each different discipline um disciplines being ceramics print um graphic design sculpture 
fashion and ceramics. Oh, did I say that already? I those, <laughs> anyway, I can't remember. There's six. Anyway, it's a long time ago now, actually. And uh, yeah, so you have six weeks of, of um, each particular discipline. And um, I, of course, was doing the ceramics <laughs> six weeks and I'd never done ceramics ever, actually, you know, mm-hmm. it, to me, it, it was just anyway. So, um, yeah, we had to do different um make different things and one of the days was um we had to uh make a scorpion well no to make some sort of um a creature um i think anyway so i made i made this scorpion um don't ask me why there had to be a reason behind that now because i can't remember now but i wouldn't have just come up with a scorpion but um yeah so uh, and then another day i had to make uh, i made my bag that i used to my my rucksack that i used to bring to college um just I, I remember I don't even know why I made that either. But anyway, the the lecture um would um Mike Byrne was his name. He um came up to me you know and he was kind of saying, "Here, do you mind if I bring down some of the fourth year students to have a look at your work?" And I remember thinking, "Why would the fourth year what, you know want to come down and have a look at my work?" And I it was I suppose um a naivety with me because I, I actually felt I'd done something wrong, you know, rather than thinking I'd done something right. It was a confidence thing. And I remember like thinking, oh, Jesus, now, um, you know, they're going to think that I like I wasn't listening and I wasn't doing what I was told and blah, blah, blah. But in actual fact, like he just brought them down because he knew that I'd never worked in clay before and that there was a natural ability, I suppose, there or something. I don't know. And um, yeah, so uh, after the six weeks in the ceramics discipline um i said thanks very much um good luck type thing and uh went into fashion to do the six weeks and at the end of it all after, after doing all the disciplines um i remember speaking to mike Byrne and uh, saying to him um you know i'm going to do fashion and he went seriously and i went yeah and he went no i said i definitely think ceramics is for you and i kind of stopped and he said here i think about it so i had a little think about it and whatever so um that had to be a I, boost of confidence surely it was, but actually you have to, like, when back then, like I was 21 when I went back to college um, in my first year and um, I was a very non-confident 21-year-old, you know, um, when it came to, to, to doing work um, and, and one of the lecturers actually speaking to you, I'm, I'm very old school kind of convent, you know what I mean? It was very, uh, I always felt that you... you didn't you know the conversations that um teachers had with you were for either telling you what to do or what not to do but i with with mike he was just he was just i actually met him a few years afterwards and i said to him i said mike i just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart because if it wasn't for you i wouldn't be probably the person that i am today and doing the work that i love and he didn't even remember actually he was kind of looking at me going oh yeah yeah you know and I was, I was kind of looking going do you realize you know you have such a, a massive part to play in my life and uh yeah no I didn't remember but uh that I is did. the wonderful thing though about having a good teacher you know yeah. someone who actually cares yeah absolutely 100 percent. yeah so you went on you decided to go with ceramics so yeah talk to me about you know working with clay so for people who aren't maybe familiar with what it means or what it feels like talk to me what about what attracted you to it um i suppose actually it's the 
it's the time I love it, it's basically so tactile you know it, it's cold to the touch and depending on the different type of clays like you have a smooth clay and then you'd have a groggy clay which would have maybe a little bit of sand in it or you'd have throwing clay which is like a porcelain that would be very very soft that would be moved very very gently in your hands there's it's the most amazing material um to work with because you can actually make that into anything that's what I used to always do I'd, I'd make things I'm actually one time I made a pair of wellies uh, green wellies um that i put outside the door my dad actually thought they were his and you know they were so real and it, I, I used to love doing things like that but um now you know as time has gone on and and it's uh, i i just love the fact that people can make there's no right and wrong when it comes to clay and i tell everybody that no matter what you make there's nothing wrong you know, when people say, oh, I've never done this before, this is terrible, this is, you know, oh, I'm no good at this. You are, you know what I mean? What you create, you have created that, nobody else has, you know, so there is no right and wrong. And that's what I love. And and I love being in a class and there's, and I love working with kids and I love working with adults and because people, adults are just kids that grew up, you know, and I just love to see their faces when they've created something, even if it's a funny looking bird or something, you know, mm -hmm. I just love the fact that they feel that they have started something completed it and enjoyed it because when you're making clay there's great conversations that go on you know you can have the best of laughs you can just you know um spill every every spill your soul to whoever's beside you if you if you want to but there's a it's very 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 therapeutic in a lot of ways you know and um i always say that there's great conversations and i think that a lot of maybe politicians should start taking up clay that um there'd be an awful lot less um arguments and uh in in the world i think if uh, if a few serious people decided to take a ball of clay and make a mug maybe I'm uh, trying to imagine Leo Bradcar, you know, on a lump today in his hands, but okay. <laughs> yeah, him or even Boris Johnson. We could, anyway, we won't go down that route. Go on. This was a happy conversation. But come here, um, Ireland Creates is a podcast about storytelling. And I know yes. for you, your ceramics are narrative. You tell a story yeah. through your pieces. But I suppose ceramics in a way in in Ireland is a bit of a poor relation when it comes to the arts world. We're like yeah. I know like even in school we were brought to the National Gallery and we saw paintings, you know, or yeah. or we're familiar that some um, artists are photographers or mm -hmm. um whereas maybe people might not be quite sure about how you know, if we're used to ceramics being things that we use in our day-to-day -day lives, how yeah. does one tell a story with clay? That's the thing. It's like um, there's always been this kind of pull, you know, um, that is is ceramics, um, is it a craft or is it an art or, you know, um, there's always that those questions are always around clay. But I suppose I use clay um, as a narrative in that um, my first kind of body of work would have been um, I, I would have made ceramic houses um, now not your stereotypical kind of twee Irish cottage now, but I would have made um, houses that kind of looked derelict and um, to me driving around the countryside um, I used my dad was from the country and um, he would always like the, he has this favorite favorite place um he loves the bog well loved the bog his past now and you know 
it's uh, when I see places like this, it always kind of there's an emotion, there's there's a feeling I get, and um, sometimes in the air there's a smell that I get, and I always wondered when we see a ruin of a house or a home, um, what what stories lie beneath, you know what what stories lie in the walls are are there secrets embedded in the walls that will never be told you know when you see the the crumbling wallpaper coming off the walls and the the old mantelpiece with the, an old wedding photograph yeah you, you you say okay who were these people where are they now what was their story and and i really feel that these stories should never be forgotten and the the french philosopher paul Ricoeur said uh to, to be forgotten is to die twice. And that has really, really stood um, with me over the past number of years that, you know, nobody's memory, we all deserve to be remembered and uh, nobody deserves to be forgotten. And I think um, during the um, 2016 centenary um, celebrations. Yes, talk to me about this project because this is something yeah. phenomenal that you did. This was um, Ashling. to be honest with you now, I was sitting in my little, I call it a workshop, but it's a little converted bedroom in my house where I, I, I do a little bit of clay. And uh, I was listening um, to Jim McCann singing Grace. This would have been back in 2015. And um, I just got really emotional. I was like, oh, wow, you know, because I started listening to the words and all about um, Joseph Mary Plunkett. And I just said to myself, Jesus, weren't they great people? And so I started to look into it and I knew that the, the um, 1916 centenary was coming up within the next year and that, you know, and I said, Jesus, what could we do to remember um, that year without having to go into the whole politics of things? You know, I, I didn't want to kind of start on they did, they didn't. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I just kind of said, I wanted to come from a different angle. So, um, I did a little bit of um, research on it and I found out that 262 people died in the rising or civilians died in the rising um, of 1916 and nobody remembered them as in you kind of think of casualties of war as, as being soldiers. Yeah. But um, in in Ireland, we had 262. Now, it was a very, people think like the rising was this massive thing. But it was only 480 something. Now, I'm not saying only, but deaths over the um, the rising, which thankfully could have gone into thousands. But um, 262 were um, civilians. So I kind of asked a few friends if they'd be interested in um maybe do a little project and see how we go. So, um, yeah, so what we decided to do was to research the, the names of the people, the civilians that died. And we um, found them after a lot of searching and we set up a website and we called it um, 1916 Sackville Street Art Project. And we put up um, all the 262 names of the civilians that passed. And we asked the people of Ireland, anybody that was interested to choose a name, come onto the website, choose a name, go away and research that name and then build them a forever home, build them a house that would represent them and tell their stories so that they'll never be forgotten. And um, we had thousands of people responding, and but we only had two hundred and sixty-two um, names. So um, that's it, incredible. Yeah, yeah it's it, absolutely it was incredible. phenomenal. 
Yeah. So and like had... the fact that, and like you're right, you know, even um, I was in broadcast at the time and I, you know, there was the political arguments on either side that we discussed. There was yeah. quite a bit of fear around the time that there might yeah. be some kind of trouble somehow mm-hmm. in 2016. Yeah. But there was very little, you know, in the build up to it about, like you say, that the people that had been forgotten about. And I'm reminded, you know, and I know we discussed this before, but I was reading a Buddhist book very recently that physics tells us that what is once something can never become nothing. And those 262 people were for a long time forgotten about. Absolutely. But through this project, like you had wonderful attendance at it. We had it was just so bizarre because we had like up until maybe three weeks before the project was to um to to begin we had no nobody would look at us right we'd no venue we had we'd no money any monies that we had raised we had raised ourselves from going around to businesses around a thai town and different places and looking for people to help us out with this project and thankfully they did because um we basically had four weeks up in the National Botanic Gardens in Glasnevin and we it was the largest attendance that they had ever seen of any exhibition we had over 20,000 um people um visit um now that's kind of an approximate I'd say we probably had an awful lot more Mm -hmm. um we had uh Joe Duffy um came a good few times he was really kind he he really really loved it um and with a, a a very kind of um we we met the families of the civilians that had passed that to me was just huge like we met i couldn't believe this one woman came up to me and she started crying and she just said i just want to say thank you and i said what do you mean and she said i'm the great grandniece of this particular person and um she's never been remembered she has always been forgotten and now somebody has built her a house and basically described her life and now we feel that we have somewhere to come to um as a memorial even you know um that we can mark the fact that she of her life and um that to me was huge and there was actually another a priest he was in his 90s he had traveled from australia to it and um his his um his he was the great grand nephew of um one of the kids that had had died you know so it was it was huge to be honest with you like it just looking back on it now it was it was mind blowing stuff now you very kindly sent me a copy of the book that you produced and it is an absolute tome um it it, it weighs a lot but yes. it is very beautiful it is absolutely stunning and it's such it's really important I feel to have a document of what you guys did you yeah. know that you know there's something about a book that you may not have been a bookworm as a child but and you may have wanted to cut it up had the you know had the book been no. given to you as a child um but but it yeah. is you know there's something you know when you mark something in a book like a, an exhibition is beautiful but documenting the exhibition in a book means it in itself won't be forgotten absolutely I know um Trinity uh, Library have um they have documented our uh, website and so have Oxford University in England as well. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a legacy now that we're very proud of. So we're staying on this theme of, you know, people who are no longer with us. Yeah. And I know your father inspired your current project. Yes. Talk to me um, about, 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 about that, how, how, how this all came to be. 
Okay, well, I suppose um, when my dad passed, um, it was obviously it was traumatic for everybody. And, you know, um, I suppose back then as well, um, conversations, you didn't have conversations around death or you didn't have conversations about what you think you'd like or, um, you know, do you think that we should do this? There was, there was never conversations. There was never um, kind of open. It, it was always uh, not it was never things weren't hidden but they were very kind of hush hush and said mm. behind kind of closed doors and you know and it was all out of respect i suppose and sorrow and pain but uh, yeah um and you were quite I, young at the time that he passed yeah and and well yeah 21 and it's like yeah i am now that i keep thinking of what age i am now yeah what was that <laughs> but it's like um i i actually have spoken to my mother about this and um you know all about cremation and and she wants to be cremated as well but um yeah i feel i felt that my dad um is in encased in um an urn that i feel is cold and horrible and um I suppose generic it's like your stereotypical um urn that you'd find in your auntie mabel's attic you know and you blow the dust off it and you rub the side of it hoping the genie will come out you know it's it's this type of horribleness you know hmm. and my dad wasn't that you know he was the he was a happy guy who was vibrant who um loved telling stories stroke lies um you know it's very um he was he made you smile you know and to look at this this just wouldn't make you smile so i kind of i had a, a bit of a moment where i said to myself like i'm going to be cremated my mother's going to be cremated but there's no way i'm going to be put in an urn that is um the total opposite of who I am, you know, I want to be placed in my forever home, but a forever home that I will be proud of and something beautiful, you know, I, I just wanted to, for people to look at it and smile and, you know, even if they don't remember me, but it, that it's a lovely object, you know, that, you know, in that there is somebody that had a life that lived, you know, um, it, it's like the old saying when you see like old people in, in um, nursing homes and they have tattoos or they'd have their nose pierced or something, you know, you kind of go, oh, my God. But yeah, these people were young, too. You know, yeah. these people had lives. And um, that's what I basically want to do with my um, with beautiful goodbyes, Ashling. It's um, a bespoke urn design service and um, where you, the customer basically um designs and um their own forever home um that they get the chance to pick out something that they will be proud of you know that that it's, it's going to be a legacy left to their family that you know their daughter their son their sister their mother whoever will be absolutely proud and to to have it um in their home and remember the person very very fondly and um and that's what i think is missing in in this conversation around urns and cremation and death i think that we need to celebrate we need to to reflect on people 
in in real time you know we need to kind of remember that these people had a life that they were they were living and um you know keep it as as colorful because at the end of the day when eventually i do go i don't want to be this gray you know dark somber object that um is hidden or is kind of just dusted off every now and again why is it important to you that something like an urn reflects the deceased's life story? I think, again, um, it goes back to not being forgotten. I'm convinced, I don't know what it is, Ashling, that just keeps kind of resonating with me that, you know, you each of us have a unique fingerprint. Um, each of us are unique people. We're, we're all, you know, we're, we, every single person is special you know we we are all we are all deserving of something that is beautiful and why not when we're gone be like be our forever home be this beautiful object you know that we're going to be there forever and ever and you know for our families to have it or even actually i don't mind i keep saying to my family like if you want to put it down the back of the garden like behind a tree i don't mind because for I'll know wherever I am at that time that that's where I'll be. You know what I mean? That's that's I'll I'll be in that beautiful object and um wherever that, that may be. And it's very, very important for for me that people aren't forgotten, that they get to be remembered. And I think in this fast world that we live in, um I think a lot of the stories are being forgotten. A lot of the older generation that I adore um are being robbed from us and um i really think that they have such a special story to tell and um and we find out things actually that we never that we'd never have found have found out other than ask the questions you know so um yeah i suppose that's where i'm coming from and perhaps it might open up that conversation for families i know in our own household we've had to talk about what our wishes are because our circumstances changed in recent years and it it's forced us to you know really share a conversation in a different way so you know hopefully it would allow people discuss something in a in a calm you know absolutely yeah and I suppose it's all about timing as well you know these conversations can be held um you know, at any time, like there's, you don't have to be sick. You don't have to be um, nearing death. You know, like you could have a conversation about this tomorrow and get it sorted and get it done, you know, and be happy that it's done. It's it's it's, it's timing, you know, it's, it's mm. all very, um, whatever, whenever we feel that, you know, it, it'll come at whatever stage that, that the conversation happens. You know, it's usually when you lose somebody that you kind of, bring it brings it home or whatever but um yeah i suppose timing would be a big one so seeing as um we're in this frame of uh, of thought and conversation when your own time comes and we look back on you as you know a, a wife you know a, 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 a daughter you know a, a much loved member of society what do you want your life story to say about you wow um do you know I just, I just want, I suppose for me, colour, I, I would love just, you know, for it to be remembered as, as kind of vibrant, I suppose, and 
to be kind is is huge for me. I think that um, I I would hope to be remembered as somebody that's kind. That that would be um, that would be a big thing for me, and somebody that loved laughing. I absolutely think there's nothing in this life like a good belly laugh. Um, you know, uh, yeah. So that that would be, and I suppose, you know, um, I would be very. I don't know. I suppose. I, I, if I was to draw, I, I'd have to draw you a picture, Ashley. <laughs> well, if you're interested in seeing uh, what kind of ki- pictures Kira can indeed draw, Kira, how can we find you on social media? On social media, I am under on Instagram. It's um, at uh, Kira O'Keefe Ceramics, and I'm on Facebook um, as Kira O'Keefe. Um, now, my website. Um, which will be www.beautifulgoodbyes.com is just about finished, but not yet. But um, I'll when I when that's ready, I'll stick it on um, social media and let everybody know. Thank you, Kira, for joining me on the very first episode of Ireland Creates. You can find out more about Kira and her work on beautifulgoodbyes.com. And thank you for tuning in to the very first episode of Ireland Creates. Thanks to createschool.ie for our theme music. The podcast is available on all the usual outlets and you can find out more on ashlingorourke.com. If you'd like to work with me on shaping your story, please do get in touch now on Instagram at ashlingmakestories or you can drop me a line on info at ashlingorourke.com. For now, though, please subscribe to Ireland Creates and I look forward to talking with you this time next week.